Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Money with Katie podcast. So before we launch into today's topic, I'm going to make a humble request of you. If you like this show, please subscribe. It'll let you know when new episodes drop on Wednesdays, and it'll give me sweet algorithm fun points. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts specifically, also know that a review goes a really long way. Okay, please and thank you. Now that that's out of the way, today we are going to talk about all things 2022 financial planning. And not in the Katie's giving illicit financial advice way, but in the what questions should we be asking ourselves as we prepare for another year. I am relatively superstitious for someone who lives most of her life inside of a Google Sheet. And I actually think that there's quite a bit of power in goal setting and annual planning because a fresh start, January 1st, the metaphoric January 1st, gives us a really nice sense of momentum and purpose. And I think momentum in particular is a super underrated tool in goal setting and goal achievement. This episode was also inspired by a conversation that I had with a family member over Thanksgiving. This person makes really good money, like multiple six figures, but felt like they were still somehow living paycheck to paycheck. They didn't really have a plan in place. It was more of just that revolving door inside the checking account. So of course, being me, I immediately unfurled my FI manifesto and started regaling this family member who is 10 years my senior about all the wonderful aspects of financial independence and early retirement and the 4% rule and tax advantages. And yeah, the eyes glazed over. It turns out that this person is not super motivated by the idea of not working because they actually like their job. Well, maybe they don't like it, but they don't mind it. They were like, yeah, I don't really care about working. It doesn't bother me. What were they motivated by, though? A second home in Vail where we were spending Thanksgiving. That was something that they could envision and imagine and feel that gave them skin in the game in the same way that the idea of not having a job at all gives me skin in the game. So it reminded me that not everybody is motivated by the same things. And just because I find the idea, the concept somewhat abstractly of financial independence to be incredibly motivating, that some people are not as tied to the idea of having a specific net worth be their key to liberation. It it just does not emotionally impact everybody the same way. So it got me thinking and I thought, you know what, whether you are somebody that is already well on your way, and maybe you're motivated by the same things that I am, or you're like my family member who doesn't really care about retiring early, but maybe really has a specific vision for the type of life they want to live or the lifestyle upgrade that they're gunning for. Maybe you are somebody that hasn't really had what you would consider a financial plan in the past, which by the way, prior to like 2019, neither did I. And I remember how that felt, you know? I remember in 2017, 2018 timeframe, I did feel a little bit floaty. I didn't really have a goal. That's not to say that I didn't care about money, but 
in some ways I didn't care about money, specifically with respect to how much I care about it now. I got my paycheck every two weeks, which was usually about 1500 bucks every, every you know, fifth and the 20th of the month. And I would pay my rent on the first out of my checking account and I would use my Discover card for everything else. And I'll tell you what, it was kind of a crapshoot. Every time I got that Discover bill, most of the time I would look at it and say, surely someone has defrauded me. Surely I did not spend this much. But I wasn't really tracking what was coming in, what was going out. It was it was always just enough for me at the time that, hey, there's enough money in the checking account to pay the bills every month. And like, hey, great, if there's any left over, uh, sweet, I'll move it to savings, I guess, question mark. And that worked for a while, but it did dawn on me eventually that that was not a viable plan. So today, we're going to talk about the three questions that you should be asking yourself going into 2022. Some of them are more conceptual in nature, more big picture vision questions. Others are going to be, I would say, more tactical in nature and more... I don't know, not so touchy-feely, we'll say, but I think that they're equally important. So I'm also just going to state for the record that I'm not going to tie myself to three. So is, if we get into this and I decide, you know what, actually it's five, then you know what, it'll be five. But we got to start somewhere, right? So the first question that I want you to ask yourself is, ba-da-ba-ba, drumroll please, in one year from today, where will you be? So maybe... We're talking early December 2022, and if you're not driving or walking around, do that thing where you close your eyes or maybe you find your soft meditative gaze and try to imagine that I'm giving you a free pass with reality. So you can describe right now what your life will look like. Imagine you are literally writing the script for yourself. Where are you living? What does your home look like? Are you partnered up? If so, with whom? What's your social life like? How's work? How much money are you making? I guess that was technically seven questions that I'm cheating by nesting up into this big grander one of, you know, where will you be? But I want you to just give your mind permission for a second to just imagine a little bit. Like if you're calling the shots, what is life like? And I would encourage you not to immediately start explaining away your desires. If something comes up and you, for some reason, feel like it's compelling for you or resonating, don't let the little reality monster in your prefrontal cortex shit all over it. Just, oh, okay, that's interesting. Like, I'm, I'm seeing myself in a home with a giant white granite island in the middle <laughs> of the kitchen see see how um like suburban middle class my uh my fantasies are i'm like oh granite countertops but maybe it's that maybe it's oh that's interesting i'm driving a brand new toyota 4runner I, whatever it is whatever the fantasy is and and again this isn't hey what's your lonely island uh yacht fantasy necessarily it doesn't have to be anything like you're going fully balls deep in this but just just imagine a little bit what's life like how much are you working and the reason that i want us to ask this question is because i think this one year look ahead 
tends to be close enough in time that we can imagine it ourselves a year from now. That's not that far off, realistically. I mean, we can all imagine December 2020 pretty well, I'm sure. But it's far enough away that we can acknowledge, hey, a lot can happen in 12 months. Sometimes I think when we try to plan too far ahead, like five or 10 years, we start to detach from the reality of it because it doesn't feel like us anymore. It feels like somebody in some other paradigm that we can't really relate to because it's so far away or it feels so far away. So I think there's a lot of power in this 12 month look forward. It also is gonna enable us, and this is kind of the trick here, it's gonna enable us to start to understand the areas of your life where you actually would want things to change. So you can be a pretty contented person. I'd consider myself pretty contented. And there can still be things that you would want to be different. So I'll let you in on my little annual planning process and how I'm thinking about this question for myself. When I look back at the last 12 months, one thing that really sticks out to me in my life is a lack of balance. I was hyper, hyper focused on work and productivity and output and earning and building and not so focused on building the relationships around me. My social life really suffered. Um, I didn't intentionally spend a lot of time with family, my husband included. And I think that to some extent, in a weird way, one of my goals for 2022 is to restore that balance and to care less about earning and work and to, and to think about how work fits into my life and not how life fits into my work. So that's a way that I'm looking forward in 2022 and determining where my priorities right now might be a little bit off. And hey, if I've got the pen in my hand and I get to decide how things are going to change next year and I'm sitting here writing my own reality, what would I do? I would turn up the dial on some of those things that I maybe put on the back burner over the last 12 months. So you may be thinking, well, what does that really have to do with money? How is this financial planning? But really what it does is it's going to show you where your priorities are and maybe where you're spending or you're earning or you're saving isn't aligning with them. So if I know that I'm trying to work less, maybe even earn less too, or work smarter, not harder, and restore balance in part of my social life, then I know that maybe there are some budgets that need to get a little bit of extra cushion next year, like my travel budget so I can go see family more often. Or because I'm becoming increasingly bougie as I age, sit in first class when I go visit my family or fly my family somewhere in first class. Uh, things like that, goals that I can set that I can really envision and feel. Or we're going to do a very intentional date night once a weekend, whether it's Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. We're going to go out to a nice dinner or we're going to go out for drinks and we're not going to worry about the bill. That's something that needs to be planned for, right? And that's not to say that I'd have to spend money to spend more time with my partner, but I also don't want to feel like we're skimping or only engaging in free activities because frankly, our relationship is worth the time and money and effort. At least I think it is. So that's really what we're trying to dig into. And if you are in a position right now where you can write, I would maybe identify based on that vision that you've just started to cultivate for yourself that, hey, where am I going to be in a year from now if I'm writing the script and if I'm really prescribing the outcome for myself? I would maybe note 
things that you're noticing about that vision. And maybe yours is the total opposite of mine. Maybe you've had a super social year. Maybe you've spent a lot of money and a lot of time doing fun things this year and you're actually looking for a little bit more structure and a little bit more output or productivity. Well, then you can start to adjust your savings goals based on your earnings goals. And and maybe you're focusing more on the earning side of things or the saving side of things than I am. But it's all about finding that homeostasis in your life. So I would write down three things that you're noticing or three, three areas of your life where you think you either need to be earning, spending, or saving more. So my examples in this example would be travel, dining out, and entertainment. Those are areas where I want to give myself more leeway financially. And maybe as I look ahead and start to project my income goals, it can also enable me to determine how that's going to impact my net worth over time. And there are great planning tools for that. I think if you haven't seen the financial independence planner on my site, that's a really good one for enabling you to see, hey, if I'm already have this much invested, I plan to earn this much and I plan to spend this much. It's three pretty simple inputs, frankly. It'll show you how that timeline will change as your inputs change. So that's another thing that you can do once you start to hone in on these. But we'll start with the simplistic level. Just identify the three areas that you may want to focus on. My second question for you, I guess technically this is like the ninth question, but I'm going to give myself a break here. The second question is, where am I now? And... (laughs) I know that we just took that first one in a very abstract direction. That one was more conceptual and and long-term vision. I'm going to actually pull us back into the moment and we're going to, we're going to dive back into our spreadsheet briefly. When I ask, where am I right now? I am more concerned with the more traditional financial planning aspect of that question. So going into 2022, there are a few numbers that I would encourage you to dig into and get clarity on before we start the new year. That way, as you plan for 2022, you can set goals that are I don't want to say realistic because realistic implies that we're going to be shrinking ourselves and this is more of a reach or a stretch that I'm gunning for here. So let's talk about the numbers that you should know. The first is your net worth. Now, this one seems obvious, but I want to unpack that a little bit. When I tell you that you should know your net worth, let's start quickly with property. So if you are a homeowner, It pays to know your most recent appraisal value of your home. What does the state say your home is worth? I know it's really tempting to go onto Zillow and to look at a Zestimate or to estimate based on the homes around you because typically that's gonna give you a more inflated number, but we wanna be on the more conservative side when we estimate things like this because unlike stocks, Typically, the reasons we have to sell a home are are less strategic and usually, usually, not always, but typically more based on life changes. Like you have another kid and you need more room or your spouse gets a job in another city and you have to move. So you don't always have control over market timing with your sale of a home in the same way that you typically would have control over that with selling stock. So it's usually safe to look at an appraisal value. 
make sure you're counting that towards your net worth because it does count towards your net worth. It may not count towards your fine number unless it's your forever home, but for the purposes of knowing your net worth, it's definitely valuable. That said, on the flip side, you also wanna look at your liabilities with respect to the home. So if you have any outstanding HELOCs or obviously you most likely have a mortgage balance if you've got a home, make sure that you are subtracting that loan amount, whether it's a HELOC or your original mortgage loan from the appraisal value of the house. That way you know what your, I guess I wanna call it equity, but I don't know if that's even technically the right term but what you owe the bank definitely should count against the value of the home because that portion of it is not yours, if that makes sense. So we'll start there. That's a great foundation. That's a house pun. <laughs> From there, we want to look at all of your investment accounts and your cash accounts. So when I say cash accounts, I mean literally checking in savings, money that's just sitting in cash that's not invested in anything and your investment accounts. So if you are a member of the Money with Katie community, that means you've probably got a 401k or a 403b through work. You've probably got an IRA, whether that's Roth or traditional, you've likely got a taxable investing account. And if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I don't have any of those, or hey, I only have one of those, use that as a starting point, right? It depends on where you work, what type of employer sponsored accounts you're going to have access to if you have one at all. But to the extent that you can kind of take control and check those boxes, all the better. So you want to understand how much is in those accounts. Then again, we want to pop back to the liability side. What about student loans? What about credit card debt? What about consumer loans, auto loans? Any money that you owe to somebody else should technically be subtracted from your net worth. And for some of you listening, this is going to be super basic, but I don't want to gloss over it just in case there are some of you that may not really know tactically how to go about calculating this. So technically in the wealth planner, there is a net worth tab that will kind of guide you through this process if it's a little bit fuzzy for you. I also just like to use the wealth planner A because I created it, but B because it gives me a really nice area to track this number for myself. And I track it every month on the first of the month. But you want to know your end of year net worth. Where are you finishing the race? And the idea is that over time, as you calculate this consistently, you'll start to build a progress picture for yourself. So if you are calculating and inputting your end of year net worth, into a wealth planner, maybe you're putting it on January 1st in your 2022 wealth planner or whatever method that you use to track this, you can see over time and over the years the progress that you're making. And you could look back in December of 2022 at January and say, did I make the type of progress that I wanted to make? But it's really, really almost impossible to intuit that and that's why tracking can be so impactful, especially in the beginning of our financial journeys or in the middle of them, when momentum is something that we need. We need to see and feel the momentum in order to make the progress that we want to make. It's, it's just too difficult and unnecessarily difficult to do it without that momentum. So I always encourage tracking, but to wrap that one up, you want to understand 
what your assets minus your liabilities are worth. Because once you know where you're finishing the year, it's going to enable us to set really mindful and purposeful goals for the new year. So again, I'm going to bring it back to me because I'm selfish as fuck. But if it's me and I'm looking at my net worth, my net worth goal for the end of 2021, so this year, I'm giving myself a month to to knock this out. My goal is to have half a million dollars, $500,000 net worth. That's pretty audacious, especially considering my net worth in January of this year was under 200,000, but hey, it's been a banner year for the stock market. It's been a banner year for my earnings, so I'm gonna roll with it. But I know that I'm finishing the year at 500,000. I also know that my original goal was to be a millionaire by the time I was 30. In 2022, I'll be 27 for 98% of that year. My birthday's in January, in December. <laughs> not me not knowing my own birth month. <laughs> anyway, my birthday's in December. So I know that I'll be 27 for most of the year 2022. And that means that I'd be halfway to my goal three years before I need to hit it. So that would give me a little bit of a guideline for, okay, if I want to be a millionaire by 30 and I'm going to have likely to have on track to have 500,000 by 27, then assuming there are no major market downturns where half the value gets wiped out, what does that mean for 2022? 2022 is year one of three in this example. And I'd probably need to get I don't know, at least $200,000 of gains in 2022 in order to stay on track. So that can help me contextualize for myself how close I am and what kind of behavior needs to change, whether that's pressing the gas pedal down further or letting up on it a little bit. And fortunately, I think it is going to enable me to let up on the gas pedal a little bit, which does coincide really well with my goal of restoring balance in 2022. But again, it's all about seasons of life, right? Last year, the past year was a grind year. Next year probably won't be, or I hope it won't be. I hope it'll be more balanced. Maybe this year was the balanced year for you, and now you are trying to put your foot on the gas pedal a little bit more. But when you ask yourself, where am I right now with respect to your net worth, it's going to enable you to create a really specific goal. So if you're somebody that's looking at a negative net worth because of debt, or you're looking at a fairly low one because your liabilities are offsetting so much of your assets, maybe the goal is, hey, I'm just going to have a positive net worth in 2022. By the end of 2022, it's going to be positive. Or by the end of 2022, I'm going to have $50,000. It doesn't, I I don't want you to look at mine as a sense of scale. You also may have way more money than I do. So I, I, I don't want that to be permission of like, oh, she's only got half a million and I've got a million so I can slow down. If your goal is to have five million, you should not slow down. So don't look at the scale. Just think about it conceptually from the standpoint of we want to have a really good sense of where we are right now numbers wise. Okay, so that's with respect to net worth. I'm going to tack on one other piece of this because this is the piece that I feel like is typically the hardest for people to measure, whether it's from a mental block or something else. But the other thing that I want you to know from the where am I right now standpoint 
is how much are you spending every month? What does your life cost? How much does it cost to be you? And in the Budget Like a Millionaire Masterclass, there's a whole module devoted to figuring this out. It, I think it's module two called um, Clarify Your True Fixed Expenses. And it basically just takes, and this is really my philosophy about this, it takes a different view of fixed expenses. When I think about fixed expenses, or rather when I used to think about them, I thought about things that were literally fixed, like the balance or the number did not change from month to month. I would encourage you to think about your fixed expenses a little bit differently as not just, hey, what what is not gonna change every month, but what is a guarantee every month? Groceries, in my mind, that's a fixed expense. If you wanna eat, you need to buy groceries. It doesn't matter that the number is going to fluctuate or that it's fully within your control. It's a fixed expense. It is predictable. You know you're going to pay for it. So other things in that fixed expense category for me would be pets, um, my utilities, my cleaning ladies, the kid who mows my lawn in the summer. These are all things that even if I wanted to find cheaper alternatives. They are categorically something that has to be included for me to live the life that I want to live, i.e. keep my pets and myself alive. So when we think about our fixed expenses in this way, it starts to really sharpen and clarify what do we consider non-negotiable in life? And maybe for you, the non-negotiable is the date night every Friday. And maybe that's a $200 a week event. Okay, so maybe we do need to factor in $800 of date night budget every month. And okay, that's a little bit high, but if you're making enough money, I suppose go for it. I'm not here to tell you how to spend it. Just that it really pays to know what it costs to be you and not just bare minimum you, which may also be a, I don't know, helpful number to know. What do I need to like literally keep the lights on and nothing else? Or to eat rice and beans, what's the least that I could subsist on and, and not go crazy or lose my house? But what does it cost to actually be you, to live the life that you want to live? I would encourage you to know that number going into 2022 that way you can tweak it accordingly so there may be there are likely areas where you're overspending or underspending or not giving yourself the leeway that you need to spend money in the way that you want to so i would wrap that one up by saying when we ask where am i right now we are talking net worth assets minus liabilities and spending. What's my life cost every month? How much does it cost to be me in the way that I want to be? All right, and the third and final question that we're gonna ask ourselves is what is my word for the year? This, okay, so right, we've, we've been all the way to the woo-woo side of the spectrum. We've been all the way to the Google Sheets, press your glasses up your nose, nerdy side of the spectrum. We're kind of shifting back to the woo-woo side for a moment. What is my word of the year? And I think after you answer these first two questions for yourself, it's going to be easier to decide this. I'm going to share mine because I think it'll help illustrate why I think this is important. My word for 2022 is alignment. Not in the way of like my favorite Lululemon align pant. I guess that too. <laughs> but really focusing 
on putting myself into a state of alignment. So I'll back up a second. Obviously, I told you my answer to the first question was about restoring balance. I told you my numbers for the answer to the second question. And by the way, my life costs anywhere between three and $4,000 a month. I have fallen subject to a little bit of lifestyle creep. I'm a little bit ashamed of it, but I'm gonna admit it here, air it out. My word is alignment because I have always been the type of person who tries to check the boxes. I followed the traditional path. I went to private school and I got straight A's and I graduated from college with a 4.0 and I was very involved in extracurriculars. And with the exception of my stint of party girl behavior, ages 17 to 19, when I was arrested at a Lady Antebellum concert for public intoxication, as a minor, we don't talk about it. (laughs) Aside from that, I have always been somebody that prided herself on being able to be conventionally good, smart, well-rounded. And I think some people would probably disagree with the well-rounded part. I, I may be a little bit too skewing toward the academic perfection uh, lean and, and deriving self-worth from that. But graduated, got a good job, contributed to the 401k, worked hard, got the promotions. I just have always felt like I'm constantly checking boxes and, and trying to live according to some invisible script that society, for better or worse, has given us. And I would say my life has turned out pretty good, frankly, as a result of following that invisible script. But I constantly find myself at these crossroads where I have to figure out, am I doing something because I want to be doing it and it's because what I it's what I think I was put on this earth to do or am I doing it because I'm checking a box am I following the life and the path that I think I'm supposed to be on or the one that was uniquely made for me so when I say alignment I'm really focusing specifically on that work-life balance and not being afraid to pursue the work that makes me feel most aligned. And for me, alignment is a state of flow. It's where things come easily with feel-good effort, I'll call it, not effortful effort where you're, oh, you're pushing the rock up the hill and it's so frustrating and the corporate politics and my manager's a douche. I mean, like, that's the, that's kind of the opposite. That's effortful effort. That feels, eh, that's draining versus aligned effort where you fall into the state of flow, you are producing things that you feel like are adding value to the world, you are in a state where things are coming relatively easily to you. And if you have ever been in that aligned state before, you know exactly how it feels, you know it's wonderful, and you know that it much more easily facilitates work-life balance. So I'm looking for alignment in all areas of life in 2022 and trying to use money as a tool and as a safety net to pursue that instead of allowing money to dictate my every move and my every decision, which has been a big facet of 2021 for me. So as you look at where you are now and where you want to be in a year from now, I'd encourage you to ask yourself, hey, what's my word? What's my why? What's the principle? 
And in some ways you can think about it like the essence of what you're doing. Maybe yours is drive. It's, hey, I need to put the gas pedal down. I need to give myself some tough love if I wanna reach these goals and if I wanna have the life that I actually want and to pull myself out of this kind of rinse and repeat revolving door treadmill zone that I'm in now where I don't really feel like I'm making effort towards the things that I want. Maybe it's drive. Maybe it's discipline. Maybe it's inspiration. Maybe it's courage. Whatever that word is, I would encourage you to write it down somewhere, somewhere prominent that you're going to see it. And as you're faced with those day-to-day decisions, look to that word, that essence as the guidepost of what it really is you're trying to do and what you're basing your decisions around. So if your goal for next year when you saw yourself in that vision, it was in a big 5,000 square foot home with a home office and seven golden retrievers, maybe the word is homeowner or maybe the word is upgrade. Whatever it is, make sure that that stays at the forefront of the decision making because it's way too easy as I'm sure we all know to come February or March lose a little bit of steam or give ourselves the break from the standpoint of hey it's okay if I fall back into these old habits and it's not that big of a deal you want that vision of yourself a year from now and that guiding light that word to be so powerful and so clearly envisioned and imagined in your mind that you can feel what it would be like to be that person or to have that much money or to have that much free time or to have that job or to have that whatever it is to have that house to have that car you want to really feel what it would be like to be in your shoes one year from now and then allow that to be the force that pulls you forward versus you pushing the boulder up the hill you want to be pulled you don't want to be pushed right So those are our three questions to recap. Number one, in one year from today, where will I be? Where will I live? Who will I be living with, if anybody? How much will I be making? What will my work life be like? What will my social life be like? Give yourself the freedom to imagine. Second question, where am I right now? We're really just trying to establish a gap of sorts. And this question does skew more financial. So remember, as part of question number two, you're looking at net worth and you're looking at the current cost of the life that you're living right now. And I would add as a bonus for this one, ask yourself if the current cost of the life that you're living right now is worth it. If you're spending a ton of money objectively, but you're not very happy and you don't feel like your life is really the way that you want it to be, something in your spending is misaligned and that is also worth taking a closer look at. And then our third question, what is my word for 2022? And if coming up with a single word is hard for you, maybe reframe that question to be, what is the why? What is the essence of this? What's the energy that this goal has or that this gap closure from where I am now and where I'm going to be a year from now? What's the energy that I need to be taking into next year to really achieve that? All right, y'all, we got one more month of 2021. I think we should use it as a ramp up period. 
30 days to really build up some pre-2022 momentum so that we can go into January strong. I will remind you that the 2022 Wealth Planner drops on January 1st at midnight so you can get it and spend your New Year's morning hungover, plugging numbers into a Google Sheet, aka my favorite hungover activity. And I will see you next Wednesday. Once again, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.